How do we get more religious vocations? And ask Father Session with Father John Lovell. Sister Lucia explained the devil's strategy is to attack vocations. He thereby speedily and easily drags many souls to hell. And so today we ask, what is the root of the crisis in vocations? What can families do in this day and age to foster vocations? And what advice for young people who think God may be calling them? Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director of the Fatima Center, bringing you a special session of Ask Father. We have as our guest today, Father John Lovell. Welcome, Father. How are you? Wonderful, David. Thank you for having me on again. Yes, it's certainly good to have you again on and Ask Father. As I mentioned the last time, for people who caught that episode, Father was ordained in 2007 for the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. Now he is the co-founder for the Coalition of Cancel Priests. More and more of our priests, our good priests, our Orthodox priests, are being canceled, really for no other reason than being good, faithful priests, trying to love Our Lady, trying to promote the Catholic faith, and so Father works with them and helps them and, and represents them and, and is one of those himself. So thank you, Father, again, for all the work that you do and for living out your priesthood on our behalf. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that. Not a shout out to me personally, but to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Praise be Jesus Christ. So here's our question for you today, Father. Again, we get a lot of variations on this because it's one of the most famous things that came from Sister Lucia. It refers to her final public interview on December 26, 1957, which was conducted by Father Agustin Fuentes, a Mexican priest. Interestingly, when he first published the interview, everything was fine. He had full approval. And then later on, various anonymous sources came out and began questioning the veracity of it. There's a long story. He basically became a cancel priest. Father Agustin Fuentes did, you know, back in the late 50s, early 60s. Eventually, his work was rehabilitated by the main Fatima archivist who did all this work and basically realized, no, that interview that Father Fuentes said was dead on target. This really is the the understanding Sister Lucia had and conveyed in all her other writings because he had this massive 10-volume, I think, thick books of work. And then he wound up being canceled in a sense. His work was never allowed to be published. So I thought this was a good question for you because we have this history of various uh, priests, Father Cinquentes, Father Joaquin Alonso, who had worked with Fatima and then got canceled. So it really is a good interview to read. I like reading it again and again. I encourage people to read it frequently. But in this case, the question was just a snippet. Quote, this is our sister Lucia saying this. That which afflicts the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Heart of Jesus is the fall of religious and priestly souls. The devil knows that religious and priests who fall away from their beautiful vocation drag numerous souls to hell. The devil wishes to take possession of consecrated souls. He tries to corrupt them in order to lull to sleep the souls of lay people and thereby lead them to final impenitence. He employs all tricks, even going so far as to suggest the delay of entrance into religious life. Resulting from this is the sterility of the interior life, and among the lay people, coldness, lack of enthusiasm regarding the subject of renouncing pleasures and the total dedication of themselves to God. 
So in light of this, the questioner asks, Father, we are seeing a great dearth in vocations. It seems like we are living this out, what Sister Lucia describes. What message might you give us regarding vocations to young men, to women, to parents, or to the lady in general? First and foremost, I think everyone needs to realize that every single Catholic is baptized in the lay state and that we have to realize that there are three main vocations, marriage, which is the natural vocation. All of us are called to that in a natural way. And then you also have the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the clergy, which includes bishop, deacon, and then you have consecrated life. And consecrated life, this has been talked about very extensively in the last 60 to 70 years. What exactly is the consecrated life? And so you'll see the consecrated life being anything from hermits and consecrated virgins living in the world all the way to Carthusian monks and nuns living in seclusion, in community. And you have the religious life. You have society of apostolic life. You have a variety of different forms of consecrated life. And I think what a lot of people have to realize, too, is that there is the secular priesthood, which is diocesan priesthood and societies of apostolic life, for example, the Fraternity of St. Peter, for example, the Institute of Christ the King and the Oratory, founded by Philip Neri. These are secular priests. They do not take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience as religious do. And we also have to realize that when men and women are called to religious life, they are called to a specific community. And yes, some religious men are ordained priests, but they're first and foremost called to that specific charism, whether it's Dominican, Carmelite, Franciscan, dare I say it, Jesuit. And uh, always have to poke a little fun at the Jesuits, especially in this day and age. But we have to realize that we have these vocations and that I don't honestly think that there is an actual dearth in vocations. When we see the number of canceled priests who've done nothing wrong except stand up for the truth, which sadly has become, in the eyes of many, something wrong, sitting on the sidelines, I see in my diocese alone, Diocese of Rockford, which is a medium-sized diocese, about 500,000 faithful Catholics spread across 11 counties in northern Illinois, What I'm seeing when I see 12 priests who've not been accused of anything, have done nothing wrong, sitting on the sidelines, I think it's manufactured. All right? And the crisis that we see is not in the priesthood, is not even in the consecrated religious life. It's in the family. All right? And we have to look back on what makes a family great. It is a strong father. It is a strong mother. All right. It is a community. It truly is, as John Paul II said, the domestic church. And we are seeing the after effects of the family being destroyed slowly but surely through abortion, through contraception, through Marxist ideology. We're seeing that creep over into the vocational life of the priesthood and of religious consecrated life. And I think that if we get the ship of family life straightened, we're going to see an abundance of vocations. For example, we talked in the last episode of 
traditional Catholics and how redundant that term is. But for those that attend the traditional Latin Mass, they have a high number of children. They have also a high number of vocations to the priesthood and to religious life. I don't see any traditional community suffering from a numbers perspective. All right, the Fraternity of St. Peter doing well. Institute of Christ the King, doing well. Society of Pius X, doing extremely well when it comes to vocations. So is it just because of the Latin Mass? Of course not. It's because those families are trying to live the Catholic ethos. That doesn't mean that they're perfect. That doesn't mean that they don't have their struggles. All right. But what it, it, what it is showing is, is that the vocational crisis is starting first and foremost with that natural vocation, which is the family. So... I guess on that note, one of the questions I would ask, maybe we haven't seen the full effects, but certainly in the people that I know and am talking to, I'm getting this question quite a bit. For example, even at conferences when we're at, there's certainly, as you mentioned, in these families that are going to traditional at mass, oftentimes they're larger, oftentimes they're trying to be faithful, and they've got a reverent liturgy, and so they are seeing more vocations. I recently, for example, just heard a story about this one diocese where the bishop hosted a dinner for all the young men who, let's say, in the last year had asked about vocations. And so the young men showed up, and they're at this dinner, and the bishop was there, and he was stopping by the different tables to speak to each one of them and asking them various questions, and he also wanted to know what parish they were from. And interestingly enough, they were all from basically three parishes. Two of those parishes had the Latin Mass, and the third one was considered the most reverent, uh, if you will, conservative Orthodox parish in the diocese. It was just those, and there weren't vocations from any of the others. So I thought that was quite interesting. But what a lot of these young men have actually asked me is, and especially in light of these documents coming out of the Vatican now, where they seem trying to ban and prohibit the Latin Mass, the celebration of the sacraments, according to the traditional rites, they're really asking, well, where do I even go to seminary if, in fact, I want to celebrate the Latin Mass, if, in fact, I want to preach faith Catholic doctrine? And I think that's a question that maybe a lot of times, same thing with, with young women that are thinking about, you know, monasteries and convents. They want access to the Latin Mass, and they're very concerned about it. I don't know if you have any words that you might tell young people that find themselves in that situation today, because I'll be honest, I'm, I'm often at a loss as to what to tell them. I mean, there's some things I can say, but it's tough. Yeah. No, I would say, at least to the young men, take a look at the traditional orders, especially the ones that have their own seminary whether it's the fraternity, the institute, the Society of Pius X. People can critique Archbishop Lefebvre all day, but one thing that they really cannot critique him on is that he knew how to start and run a seminary and how to form priests. In fact, French Africa, even today, where it is today, mainly because of the missionary work that Archbishop Lefebvre did. So I always encourage them to at least check out those seminaries, they're, they're pretty full, but it is so important in this day and age for young men, even those that are, that are destined for married life, to get a philosophical Thomistic background and a Thomistic theological background. And you're not really getting that in many of the Novus Ordo seminaries. Now, there are exceptions. I'm going to tell you this right now. I went to the original Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. It was on Mary's Mountain. It had a very Marian uh, connotation with it. 
the National Shrine of Our Lady of Lourdes is there. The National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was there. And there was never a criticism for having a Marian devotion there. And I learned a lot, and I had some excellent professors. But I would still, after looking back now almost 16 years a priest, and say there was something that was missing in my formation and in my education. And I really didn't start seeing it until the bishop, uh, not my current bishop that canceled me, but Bishop Doran, who ordained me, sent me to the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., to actually study true Thomism. And when I started to see what I was missing out, especially in moral theology, I made it my mission, especially the last 10 years of being canceled, of learning as much as I can about the moral theology of the church, because I wasn't really taught that in seminary. So I tell young men that when we refer to young women that are seeking the consecrated life and a religious order, whether it's with the poor Clares, whether it's with the Carmelites, the Dominicans, dare I say, maybe even the Carthusians, you want to look for a monastery that is not infected by modernism. You want to look for a monastery, a convent that is solid, but also has a good community life. Again, we must make something clear just because they have the Latin mass. Just because they wear full habits doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be something wrong there. The devil is always trying to attack these traditional communities, always trying to attack this. So you need to look for something that's healthy. And you know that a community is healthy. Again, whether it's a priestly society, whether it's a convent or a monastery, you know that it's healthy when the people there are happy. And that's that's what you have to look at. And we're not talking about the happiness of the world. We're talking about you see the light of Christ radiating from them. All right. No place is perfect. No seminary is perfect. But we have to realize that we have to look as best as we can for that. That might require a little travel. That might require both young men and women in their late teens, in their early 20s, to start thinking about what colleges they're going to go to so that they get a good grounding in Thomism, even if it's not their major, you know, so they can understand better what they're looking at when it comes to what God is calling them to. And, you know, and I just want to say this, David, to kind of end on this note, marriage is a natural vocation. And I I had great discussions with people. It's certainly a theological debate. You know, it is a natural vocation. There, There is the possibility. I think it's slim if you're open to God's will, none at all, that you might choose the wrong spouse. But you have to realize that when it comes to the priesthood, when it comes to religious life, these are supernatural vocations from the start. Marriage is raised to the supernatural level as a sacrament, but it didn't start and it doesn't start there. It, it gets raised up, especially by the love of the couple, which is not an emotion. But priesthood and, and religious life, these are these are supernatural vocations from the start. And we have to realize that it's God calling the young man, God calling the young woman to that charism. And if you just put your trust in him, you're always going to have a, a wonderful life. It's going to be a life of penance, a life of carrying the cross, yes, but you will move mountains if you stay open to God's will when it comes to your vocation. Well, thank you, Father. I mean, I'll just conclude also by dovetailing. I, I do appreciate your emphasis on study. We do have to study the faith, studying Thomism. I went to the seminary for several years in a monastery, and we never cracked the Summa to our detriment. So anything I've read about that has been on my own since then, you know, much like what you said, and my brothers and priests and 
he had to go back, like you're saying, after he became a priest and do a lot of studying. So that's that's an essential. And I also really appreciate the point you said that just because a community is traditional or you know, have a lot mass, that doesn't mean that they're immune from problems. And in fact, I would argue that the devil's attacking them even more. Uh, yes. Because when the devil sees that you're already enmeshed in the world and you've got a lot of worldly values and you're going down that path, he's like, I don't have to worry about it, right? He's already got us. But when he sees that someone's actually trying and working hard, then he attacks them even more fiercely. And that doesn't just go for traditional communities, but it also goes for traditional families. You know, um, those who are trying to live the faith, they're trying to be faithful in the, in the capacity and the extent, I think, to which you're trying to be faithful. This apostle, the Fatima apostle, I mean, when they got here, they told me, you come work for Ali's apostle, you are going to get more attacks from the devil. And it has happened. Uh, so, so we have to be ready for that. And, and for that, we just have to pray more, uh, study, and uh, stay close to the sacraments. And, of course, live the Fatima message. That's easy to remember with our acronym, Roman Catholic SOS. So Roman Catholic, stay in the state of grace, do what we just said, study, pray, sacraments. And then those five letters stand for R, rosary, every day. C, consecration, yourself and pray for Russia's. S, scapular, always wear it faithfully. O, offer reparation, continuously and perseveringly. S, first Saturday, every month. Again, that's R-C-S-O-S, Roman Catholic S-O-S. Any concluding words before you give us your blessing, Father? I always pray for vocations, always pray for priests and religious, and remember that especially the cloistered religious, the poor clares, the Carmelites, the Carthusians, and the many others, they are constantly praying for you. Always try to remember them in your prayer, just like we do with the souls in purgatory. With that said, Dominus Vobiscum. Ecum Spiritus Vobiscum. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Patris, Sefiri, et Spiritus Sancti, Descendus Super Vos, Mani et Semper. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. This question and answer has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. To send Father a question or to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website at fatima.org or call us at 1-800-263-8160. It is our prayer that by the intercession of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, this answer may help you to know, love, and serve God better. St. Joseph protector of the church and of virgins. Pray for us.